friends, and welcome back to Faith in UU, a podcast for everyone. My name is Reverend McKinley Sims, and I serve as the minister at the Unitarian Universalist Church of the Restoration here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is episode 12 and part 3 of our sermon series on Sanctuary. This is from a sermon delivered on September 30th called What is Love? Delivered in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. As a heads up, there is a lot of Greek and Hebrew language in this. There was also a little bit of processing about the events of the Supreme Court nomination, trial and hearing and testifying by Dr. Ford over the past week. So there's a lot of emotion and a lot of feeling in this one. So with that, here is part three, Sanctuary, What is Love? Friends, it is our final sermon in this series on sanctuary and building a sanctuary here at Restoration. And I wanted to talk about love, capital L, because it is my favorite topic. And the only reason I wrote down a manuscript is to keep me on course because we can only be here for so long. And I would just keep going and going. So indulge me a little bit if I feel extra mojo today. But I want to talk about love. And as we heard from the wisdom of the children, there are many different kinds of love. So I'm a language geek, and in Greek, there are seven different words for different kinds of love, and we heard some of them today, right? There's eros, which is like physical love, sexual love. There's philia, which is brotherly, sisterly, sibling love. There is storge, which is familial love for a parent, for a child. There is ludus, which is like flirtatious, playful love. There is philatia, love of the self. And there is pragma, which is born, love born out of duty or reason or longstanding commitment. And finally, there is my favorite, agape love, the universal love, the love of the soul. We're celebrating our universalist heritage. And for those new folks today, we have this beautiful history window that talks about this heritage. Today is Universalism Day in UU churches because we remember the preacher John Murray who came from England and he came to the shores of America preaching this radical message of inclusive love. He said that God loves everyone and no one is condemned forever. And it's that radical message that we can trace to this church today. It is still with us. It forms one big half of the UU tradition. Right? One of the U's is Unitarian, one of those is Universalist. So believing in the power of love, capital L, I would wager is the only thing that every UU believes in. I don't know that for sure, but I would imagine we don't do creedal tests, but I would imagine that is our creedal test, if not in writing, at least in practice. There are all these different definitions. So the old universal tradition was that God is love. The Newer definitions are that love is the most powerful force in the universe. Love is the ground of our being, the depth of our soul, the core of our movement. Love, capital L, is powerful, helping us to build up a resilient and diverse sanctuary here at Restoration. So I want to offer up three things. And I need to make sure it's three because last time I did the old thing where I said, stop me two things, and I listed off like three or four things. Three things about love capital L, that have been brought into perspective for me this week, because I think love is courageous. And being courageous, by definition, is being scared, but going anyways. 
So if love is courageous, then love is also terrifying. And I remember the feeling of calling up a young woman named Kristen on the phone and asking her to dinner and feeling terrified. But it was love that moved me to act. What kind of love? It was a little bit of ludus. It was playful and flirtatious. But it has moved into something deeper, I think, at this point. There was also a sense of philatia, of love of self. Because this was something that I needed to do. It was something I was not going to get back. It was a risk I had to take. And the love that I was feeling pushed me into it, to take that risk. That was ten years ago. And I am very glad that I did. Because love is also liberating because of this. The courage that you can get from love and the push into the risk, it liberates you to act more fully, to be more fully, to become more fully, to be grounded, to grow and transform. Taking a risk. Have you ever been in a situation where things began to get tense in society? An argument in the checkout line or some kind of harassment, and you can feel that I need to do something. Someone needs to do something. Anybody do something. But you kind of freeze. Until someone moves. Until someone takes a risk. And as soon as one person does, whether it's you or someone else, all of a sudden you are free to do it too. And people can jump in and help together. Love liberates you when you take that risk. I witnessed both these things on Thursday and Friday. Love being courageous and love being liberating. When the bravest woman in the world got up to testify and was belittled and scorned by old white men, courageous. And then I watched on social media and in person as the bravest women in the world came forward to tell their stories. People that I know personally, people that I only saw online, people that were calling into C-SPAN for God's sakes, courageous, liberating. This collective outpouring of grief and solidarity. People feeling free to speak out, to be moved, to take a risk. Inspiring. And I am in awe of that strength and that candor that it takes to be vulnerable, to take a risk. And when you take that risk, it opens up the space for other people to take a risk as well. That's what we need in this world, as hard as it is. So to the bravest men, women, genderqueer folks in the world, thank you for your bravery. And when the day comes that we all need that kind of bravery, may we be so courageous. Because they have paved the way with their love. Love is a two-way street. Love is courageous. Love is liberating. Love moves us to act, to take a risk. But love is not always easy. Love is not always comfortable. But love is always. So we read the covenant of the church out loud, and Jim did such a great job of explaining what it is and why it is. Because we don't have creeds here, belief tests. We have covenants. And I think that most of you use take covenants to mean something like sacred promise, a really deep promise, a commitment. The UUA website says... 
Covenant is the silk that joins Unitarian Universalist congregations, communities, and individuals together in a web of interconnection. The practice of promising to walk together is the precious core of our creedless faith. Living by covenant is a rare thing in this world. Talked about the, oh, hello, spider. We talked about the uh, use of membership in all parts of our world. And I want you to know that I come from the theological door where covenant means something maybe slightly different from the traditional UU perspective. It's a shocker that I'm not a traditional UU, I know. But go with me on this. That we're, we live in a contractual society, right? That if I pay money for the cable, I get to watch Texans games or Eagles games. If I go to the doctor and I pay money and they fix me, that it, this is a contract, that it's point A, point B. And once you fulfill that contract, you're done. And if you make, break that contract specifically, you're done. Covenant is slightly different. And from the door where I come from, this goes back to the old scriptures, right? It talks about this connection between the divine and humanity and thus between humanity itself. That it was this, a two-way street going this way and a two-way street going this way. And this idea of covenant was this connection that bound you at a soul level. It was your soul connected to the soul of the other because of this universal love, capital L. That you are so loved and so welcomed just as you are. There is nothing you can do to change that. So if you are loved in that way, if love is within you in that way, how then should you connect to the people around you? But to be in covenant. And I told the story to the young children that back in the day they used to cut this cord to have identical halves. That was how you cut a covenant. right? But it's funny because it was literally a line that you cut. And then the idea became that covenant, the Hebrew word is bereath. It's like a lot of Greek and Hebrew words today, so buckle up if you're uncomfortable with that. Bereath, and it means covenant. And I do this because it's a symbol of the circle. Because bereaths are covenants that are unbreakable. They don't end. There's so many stories in these old scriptures about times when people mess up. People break promises. People break covenants. Entire people try to break their covenant with the divine. And it doesn't matter because of universal love, capital L. The covenant continues. The connection remains. There is nothing you can do. I think that's so powerful. And that's why we use rings as symbols of our covenant of marriage. Because it's supposed to be never-ending. In practice, that's not always true. So how do we reconcile that idea that covenants are supposed to be unbreakable, never-ending, these soul connections? But people mess up. People break covenant. People are not in right relation. The way that love is, is such that even when people mess up and break covenants, when you enter into a covenantal relationship with someone, you are forever changed and connected. Sometimes it has positive consequences. Sometimes it has negative consequences. But I think about all the people I've been in covenant with, and I am changed by them. I am changed because of that relationship. 
And that's tough sometimes. Living in covenant is not easy. But it is deeper and more mysterious than a simple contract. Contracts are easy. Contracts are safe. Contracts are comfortable. If you don't like it, you can just go. Choosing to live by covenant. Choosing to live as if you were loved with a capital L. Can be incredibly hard. Especially when there is so much pain in the world. I take covenants really seriously. Very seriously. I was in a, a workshop one time with my friend uh, Annie, and we, we go through and you make covenants as part of the group of how you're going to act. And one of the covenants was to be present and to not work on your computer while we're doing this workshop. And Annie was like, listen, I take covenants really seriously. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to work on my computer. So <laughs> what can we do about this? And we made stipulations that she could go out in the hallway. And that's what it takes, right? It takes stepping into that commitment, taking that risk to be honest and to say, hey, I'm going to need some help to live into this. As a community, we need to help one another live into this because we are bound in covenant. We are all changed by our relationships with one another. The idea that the covenant is unbreakable goes back to this other Hebrew word. It's called zimzum. Zimzum. It's a good word to say. And it's the idea that this divine love, capital L, is so expansive. It spans the entire universe, the entire cosmos. It's bigger than you can imagine. That's how much love there is. But it is also so small, infinitesimally small, and that when you enter into a relationship with a person, that love fills that space between you, no matter how big or small that space is. And it's that love that is driving that connection. So yes, it is mysterious. It's mystical. It's a little... And it's interesting that I, I feel the need to use Hebrew and Greek words because I, I know the phrase that there are no words in English to describe the beauty or the love that you can have for a person. And I think that's true. I think sometimes we need words outside of the English language. So love is courageous, liberating. Love is mysterious. It's grounding. It's wondrous. It's pervasive. Sometimes it's dangerous, terrifying, unbelievable. Love is not always fair, it is not always safe, and it changes you forever. And covenants are built on love, which is what makes this so hard, because we do run out of juice. We run out of a, a commitment sometimes. We run out of time, and we break our covenants. What I want to offer up is that because love is courageous and liberating and because we live by these covenants that I believe are unbreakable, the point is not that sometimes you mess up and that you should be kicked out forever. That's not what universalism says. The point is that we learn how to help one another come back into the covenant, come back to the table. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to argue. It's okay to fight. It's okay to walk away. But come back in that circle. It's not a line out the door. There's the final deep dive theologically. The Hebrew word for covenant is bereath. Right? And it comes from the Hebrew scriptures. 
I've been saying that covenants are based on love. Well, what is the proof of that? This is super nerdy, and I apologize for it in advance, but I got so geeked out when I read it. Uh, In the Hebrew Scriptures, the first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures are called the Torah, the law, and there are five books. In those five books, some of the most important scriptures in Judaism, the word bereath is used 82 times. Okay? Stay with me. In the first book, it is used 27 times. In the second book, it is used 27 times. In the middle three books altogether, it is used 27 plus 1 times. 27, 28, 27. Some kind of symmetry to that. Interesting in itself. Stay with me. The Hebrew letters for the number 82, which is the times, number of times that covenant is used in Hebrew in these first five books, is 82. It's pechet. It's pronounced pach. Right? There's no reason for you to know that, except that that word has only one definition. And its definition is the gold sheaf, the gold plating that they put on the altar in the middle of the temple in the holiest place in the world. That this covenant made out of love is what you cover your sanctuary with. I get chills thinking about that. If that's too mystic for you, I understand. But I find it incredibly compelling, spooky, scary, terrifying, but also liberating. The language of covenant, I believe, is written on our hearts, inscribed on our palms, presented to the world anew, day after day, presented by survivors this past week, waiting to be presented by us, because covenants remain. Covenants are. Always. They are unbreakable. They change us forever. They invite us into deeper relationship and push us to act, to take a risk, to spread more love. Love demands more It is not always safe. It is not always easy. Sometimes it gets you killed. Courageous, liberating. So friends, a covenant is a gift that we are called to keep on giving to one another again and again. And until the grace of that gift overshadows the pain and the transgressions of when we break that covenant... We are called to give and give and give until it overshadows with a love, capital L. So let it push you to act in the days ahead. Let it push you to feel heartbreak. Let it transform how you see and feel. Because love demands more. Love is unbreakable. Love is with you, within you. Love is in your power. We are called to be the sanctuary of love, to practice all kinds of love, regardless of mistakes or missteps, to return to the table, to return to the altar, to put our gold sheaf plating on the sanctuary, to cover ourselves in love, because love demands more. Love demands that we return to the covenant that we said we will promote and affirm, even when it is hard. Because we need each other. Our community needs us to love and love and love until they don't know anything else.
May that be so. Amen. Yeah, so there it is. Part three of our sermon series, What is Love? All about building a sanctuary. As you can tell, there was a lot of emotion in the sanctuary, a lot of emotion in me. And I was glad that we got to do it when we got to do it. So thank you for listening to this three-part series. We'll have another episode coming up next week about my story and my wandering into the ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Association. Until then, sending you love and strength and light these days. If you want to learn more about me, you can find me at my website, uuministry.com backslash McKinley Sims, uuministry.com backslash McKinley Sims, or you can follow me on Twitter at McKinley L. Sims. Grace and peace, everyone. See you.